Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hello and welcome to Season 2 of Wannabe Walk-Ons, a Nebraska football and craft beer fan podcast and the official podcast of the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. I'm Ben, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Drew. Thanks, Ben. Each episode, we will sample craft beers, both local and beyond, while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insight. We encourage you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Wannabe Walk-Ons for the most up-to-date show information. And please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform, or listen to each episode on wannabewalkons.com. On this week's episode, we will sample beer from our friends at Big Hair Brewhouse in Hardington, Nebraska, while previewing Nebraska's Big Ten East crossover schedule. I'm Ben. And I'm Ben. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and this is one of you walk-ons. The thing said Ben, but you could have said Drew. I read the script, Ron Burgundy style. So we have a special treat for everyone listening right now. You've heard him on episode one of seasons one, and we are so grateful to have him on episode one of season two. But we have with us Reed from Big Hair Brewhouse joining us as a special guest on this episode. And we're going to dive right into what we are drinking on episode three of the 2022 football season. And Reed, I hold in my hand a very special beer. Can you tell me about the beer I am drinking? This is a draft horse. This is a uh, collab we did with a local home brewer in town, Jason Went. Shout out to you. Uh, we this is a saison that we made together, and it turned out fantastic. Mm-hmm. About the epitome of what a saison should taste like. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Who smooth. Took, who it took is. the lead on this? Did he did this he is, come to you is, with the this, recipe? This is Jason's recipe. Wow. We just all I did was make it, and he helped out with it, and it just turned out fantastic. Jason had an idea, and all I did was everything, is yep. what I <laughs> No, this That's is really nice. beautifully smooth, a little bit of bitterness, but man, this is one of those that you could put away a ton of. Yeah. And when people are looking for new beer styles to try yeah, when they this see... This is the exploration. Yeah. This, this yeah. is the Louisiana Purchase right here. Absolutely. When you... <laughs> When you see a or can Lewis, or a Lewis bottle and, in the Lewis store. And fucking Clark right here. <laughs> <Atta> boy. <laughs> Hometown heroes, Lewis and Merriweather. Can you fit that on a can, Lewis and fucking Clark? <laughs> Lewis and fucking Clark. Here we go. <laughs> Guys, we covered them in season one uh, and season two, two on our very first episodes. But if you ever get the chance to take a road trip up to Hardington, Nebraska, it is an absolute must to stop in to Big Hair Brewhouse and try the beers that they have. Reed's too humble to say it, but I think he's one of the best that's out there making beers for the Nebraska name. So true. Yeah, he's also a good, just a good guy. You might have heard him in the background. Yeah. That's not yeah. true. <laughs> yeah, a, no, it's terrible. Don't come here. Don't. Yeah. No, it's 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 always a great experience. And, uh, you know, the first time we came out here, we didn't know what we were getting into. 
or we're new we to this doing. whole scene and, and read you were so. new yeah you're new to <laughs> to, to brewing beer but you know you've you've done well for yourself in this past year and, and you've really grown and and you know you know trying your beers and and exploring what else you've put out there has been a has been great for yeah. us um just today and and so i hope that more people you know make their way out to hardington to experience this we're too small to fail that's <laughs> <laughs> It's all about exploration. What a motto. It's all, it's all exploration. That's We're too small, small to fail. That's a 2021. Right yeah. <laughs> too small to fail. Well, guys, if you've made it this far, you listened to episode one where we sat down for a really nice interview with Reed. Then you sat through episode two where you listened to our non conference opponents. Well, now it's time for the Big, Big Ten. And we're going to start with our Big Ten crossover opponents. And the very first one on the docket is Indiana. And Drew. Drew, I think we should preface this before you get into your introduction that you got a little bit of a vendetta, a little bone to pick, mm-hmm. if you will. A lot of bitterness. A lot of bitterness. A lot of bitterness. Can you tell us a little bit, without naming specifics, because I don't want to put anyone on blast, but why are you a little upset about Indiana? Um, so I don't normally listen to podcasts, which <laughs> <laughs> I'll do them. I'll make them, but I don't. I don't listen to them. I don't know. I don't know. But so I decided when when I was doing my research for for these uh, these Eastern Division opponents, I decided you know I'll check in on see what a, what other podcasts are saying about us. What what we're saying about Nebraska. What do they say about their own team? And so I checked in with an Indiana one, and uh, it fucking ignited. It ignited something in me. I don't. They they had zero respect for Nebraska. They thought very highly of themselves. And and this coming from an Indiana football podcast, I don't know. It just how how dare a football team with a losing record? How dare you think feel full of themselves and feel like they got something on the line? Yeah, we had we had one more win than them last year. Yeah, and and they were just fucking dogging on us. So anyway, it lit a fire under my ass, and uh, and it was I think. Uh, from personal perspective, it was good to to get that that you know what what do other people think of us, but also you know while you're while you're slogging through like the off season, um, it's nice to have that sort of like you know be, to be invigorated by somebody else's fucking like I don't know self righteousness. So yeah, I was inspired. I don't I don't I never write our introductions for teams. No. This is all Ben thing. But I took on the reins here. So, Drew, give us that introduction Indiana. to Indiana okay, with go. that vitriolic hate in yeah. your heart. Oh, pure <laughs> hatred, yeah. If I don't inspire hatred, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing here. Here we go. On October 1st, the Indiana Hoosiers roll into Nebraska fresh off a contentious battle against Cincinnati, a game likely to be described as a real confidence booster for the Bearcats. According to Huskers.com, kickoff is scheduled for 6 or 6.30. The or designation clearly indicating that our Fox Network overlords have discovered the power of coordinating conjunctions. The Huskers trail the Hoosiers in the all-time series at 8-10-3. But before you get too upset by that record, let me remind you that Indiana stole a seven-game winning streak against Nebraska from 1941 to 1947, meaning that while Indiana was winning football relevancy, Nebraska was winning a goddamned war. More recent success on the gridiron had Hoosier fans and national pundits alike falling all over themselves to pump hot air into their 2021 expectations. Following the disastrous results, Indiana superfan and noted balloon enthusiast Paul Van Hindenburg said, quote, I tried to warn them. Indiana finished the year at 2-10, going un 
undefeated in nine conference games while securing their two lone victories against Western Kentucky and future Pac-12 punching bag Idaho. Tom the Tool Man Allen, if it ain't, oh shit. (laughs) If it ain't oh shit. If it ain't oh shit. Tom the Tool Man Allen knows if it ain't broke, don't fix it, which is exactly why he's trying to fix it. Allen replaced both his offensive and defensive coordinators heading into the season. Fun fact, both Nebraska's and Indiana's new offensive coordinators previously served as head coach at UMass. Nebraska's Mark Whipple won a national title, which launched him into a Super Bowl winning career. Meanwhile, Indiana's Walt Bell won twice in 25 games, which launched his career into the Big Ten's football version of the Space Shuttle Challenger. This Indiana preview has not shied away from explosions, but don't expect too many from this interconference matchup. Also, don't expect me not to throw down fisticuffs against my new favorite team to hate, because while both teams are used to operating in the red, when it comes to wins and losses, be it for a decade and a half or a century and a half, come October 1st at 6 or 6.30, I'd rather be scarlet than crimson. Well, shall we jump into the true or false before we start talking about some some football? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'll give you a break, Drew, and I will start with our true or false. So, actor Daniel Stern, best known for playing Marv, one half of the Wet Bandits from Home Alone, Phil from City Slickers, and pitching coach Roger Brickma to Henry Wohengartner in Rookie of the Year, made his film debut in 1979's Breaking Away, an Academy Award-winning film about Indiana University's bike race, the little 500 is that true or false okay so we don't we 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 know we're both doing true or false we don't talk to each other about it what right. we're coming up with beforehand my true or false also has to do with breaking away does it really yeah yeah the 1979 film oh that's um, weird so i i'm shallowly familiar <laughs> with the film based on my research <laughs> i don't recall him being involved in it so i'm going to say false okay Go with false. Okay. You guys are right, but for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Oh. Um, it is false. <laughs> His character name in Rookie of the Year was Phil Brickma, not Roger Brickma. Oh. Oh. Well, that's, <laughs> that, <laughs> ben, that's dumb. Yeah. It's yeah. very that dumb. A, that was a dumb choice. That was so, a real low blow. Yeah, yeah. It's true. Daniel okay. Stern did actually make his film career uh, start in uh, the, the film Breaking Away. It's billed as the world's greatest college weekend. The Little 500 is the largest collegiate bike race in the United States, modeled after the Indianapolis 500. Riders compete in four-person teams around a quarter-mile center track at Bill Armstrong Stadium. 2023 will mark the 35th women's race and the 72nd men's race. Oh, you mean women are behind men? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Uh, the film Breaking Away that. centers around four Duh. Bloomington teenage stonecutters <laughs> who are obsessed with biking and end up competing and, spoiler alert for a 43-year-old film, winning the Little 500. So, yes, Daniel oh, Stern did get his film break in the film Breaking Away, which centers on Bloomington, Indiana's Little 500. Okay. Nice. Are you ready for another uh, little 500 true or false? I'm always ready for okay. a little 500 true or false. Um, tip you in on apparently all you listeners out there. How do we come up with our true or false? We apparently just do these very shallow Wikipedia. <laughs> I spent way <laughs> too much time trying to find an answer. <laughs> <laughs> trying to find a true or false. All right. I Google. I just Google. Yeah. Anyway, I find my way around to it. And here we are. Everybody knows that the University of Indiana hosts the annual bicycle race known as the Little 500, modeled after the Indianapolis 500, an event that is attended by more than 25,000 fans each year. That's too many. 
it's a lot of fans. Way it's more many, probably. Yeah. It's probably honestly like more than their football team gets. Yeah. But did Ouch. you know, the Little Five Hundred inspired the 1979 movie Breaking Away, which beat Apocalypse Now for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. It did win an Academy Award, yes. and I think it's for Best Original Screenplay. I don't think it won for Best Picture, so I'm going to say false. Uh, I'm just going to say it's months. weird that you guys know this much about this movie. We know because we just <laughs> Wikipedia did. Oh, okay. <laughs> Apocalypse never, Now is a It's also film. on like yeah, AFI's most so inspiring it films is, of all time. It is one of the top like 10 ben uh, sports films. Ben Affleck's best film. It, ben Affleck. I don't even yeah. know if he was uh, an Apocalypse Now. He's not in Apocalypse Now. Oh, I'm thinking, what am I thinking of? I have no idea. <laughs> no, 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 it's, no, no, Apocalypse. Apocalypse Now is a Francis Ford Coppola film about uh, the horrors of the Vietnam War. No, I'm I, thinking of... Geely. Uh, uh, no, the one with the Journey soundtrack. Um, with Bruce Willis and... Uh, oh, you're thinking of Armageddon. Yeah, that and one. And it's not Journey, it's Aerosmith. <laughs> Armageddon no, Now. No, Journey's in it, too. <laughs> Yeah, oh, no. oh, you're right. No, it's, it's Aerosmith. It's, it's primarily Aerosmith. It's practically Sorry. the same. But that's all right, Reed. Ru- ruin, that's this, all right. ruin this portion of the film. There's no ruining right. any portions. You're only making it better. So is the answer false? Yeah, the answer is false. So Kramer versus Kramer won the Academy Award for Best Picture. And yeah. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Breaking Away. Was that my even? Was that my question? Yeah. Yeah, you're the one who asked the question. I'm no. the one who answered it. But there you have it. So, yeah, break, Breaking Away. <laughs> Apparently, Batman, the only thing to say. know, if you Google Indiana football... You'll find out about a really great film from 1979 <laughs> called Breaking Away, and it's about bicycles. Well, there we go. So there's our, there's our true or false. Apparently, it's all centered around Breaking Away. But let's, let's dive into the more important part. Let's get away from the true or false about Breaking Away, and let's talk about Indiana football. When we think about Indiana football... We don't. In 20, I've never <laughs> thought about Indiana In 2022... Football. Uh-huh. What, what, are, what are we seeing? What are, what are some of the things that we're looking at? So Indiana had a couple of really good years under Tom Allen. And by really good, I mean according to their standards. And yeah. then they, they had some expectations built up about them leading into 2021, and they absolutely bottomed out. I mean, they hit 2-10. and 10. They, they were winless in the Big Ten. I think it, I think it disappointed a lot, of, a lot of people, especially fans of Indiana, but even like on the, the national scale, I think yeah. people had kind of built them up. Me personally, like looking at looking at what they've got going on for them, I think that they had some really inflated expectations that got out of hand. If it was, you know, people who don't really follow the program closely, kind of caught on to this idea that maybe Indiana is like the hot new dark horse team, and it just led to a lot of disappointment. I think last season, looking forward, I don't know that they made enough changes and the right changes to get back towards that winning winning style of play sure personally i just don't have high expectations for the team again i listened to this i listened to this podcast and i was researching them and and i I have a new sort of like newfound vitriol towards this program it's very personal i'm not i'm not a fan of this team leading into the the 2022 season as far as like turning it around sure i understand that you know if I look at the strengths for Indiana, one of the biggest things is you have to look at their offensive and defensive coordinators, and they did bring in a new offensive coordinator in Walt Bell, who is a very run-heavy type of offensive coordinator, and he brought in some veteran running backs that should add to his run-heavy offense. So they are bringing in some of the right players for what they want to call 
as well as bringing in Connor Bazalek from Missouri, who's a pass-heavy quarterback and who tends to not turn the ball over. So they do have some things going as far as increasing some consistency on the offensive side of the ball, but I don't necessarily believe in that all coming together for them. It feels still a little disjointed. If Scott Frost is to blame for not hiring new coaches or trading out his offensive coaches, Tom Allen is the opposite of that, where he's not allowing his coaches to develop some consistency on the offensive side of the ball. And so I'm concerned for Indiana to try and find that consistency. They don't necessarily have the right quarterback for the type of scheme their offensive coordinator runs. They don't have a lot of the playmakers that their offensive coordinator needs. They don't really have a whole lot that's been there year in and year out and tried to develop within this program. Yeah, they're looking for they're looking for the quick flip when it comes to transfers. They brought a lot of guys in at the skill positions. I, I, like as you said, Basilic from Miss, uh, Missouri coming in at the quarterback to compete with Jack Tuttle. They brought in some running backs, some wide receivers, and all that. They didn't do anything to improve their offensive line, which I thought was really interesting because that was an offensive line that struggled a lot. I'm not a big fan of Walt Bell as a as an offensive coordinator. I don't know. He didn't do a lot as at his previous stops yeah, he's um, in that position. Yeah. And normally, you know, you give guys uh, like Tom Allen the benefit of the doubt. Like, okay, they brought in a coordinator. Maybe they, he saw something in Walt Bell that could kind of turn around Indiana's fortunes. But Tom Allen's a defensive guy. Right. And and he's even been on record um, going into this year as saying, like, he's going to focus on the defense and improving the defense and being really more hands-on with his new coordinator there and improving that side of the ball, which means to me that he's put a lot of faith in Walt Bell in turning around a struggling offense. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't, I don't know, Bell is a young coordinator, not a lot of experience, not a proven track record. And Allen is putting a lot of faith in this guy to turn around, you know, a struggling offense. So when it comes to the offense, when you look at their overall ratings, they were 124th in rushing nationwide. They were 125th in passing. They were 125th in explosive plays, 128th in their turnover margin with negative 13 as their margin. And they were 128th in their scoring differential at 23.6 points. There's a, there's a lot for that offense to really overcome. And so there's a lot of room to grow upwards. There's not a whole lot of room to go downwards. And so I think any growth upwards will be good for Indiana. But even if you get to 100th in the country in some of those categories, you're still really not performing at the level of the Big Ten. And I think they're going to have a hard time succeeding in the Big Ten, even with making significant jumps. So I'm just not not convinced that Indiana is going to be able to put enough on the board and, and make enough movement to make an impact, especially when you think about the Big Ten East. For sure. Yeah, they're in, a, they're in the obviously a tougher division. They did a lot to flip the skill position. They, their weakest point is the offensive line. And then when you're talking about Big Ten football, like offensive line, you have to be strong to have any sort of success consistently in this league. Right. And they didn't do anything to improve that side of the ball. So, you know, if Walt Bell is a, a run-first kind of guy, if you're going to run the ball successfully in the Big Ten, you, you've you got to have a good O-line to get that push and to, to help you generate yards on a consistent basis. And if you don't have that, you can maybe counterbalance it by having a mobile guy at, at quarterback. They brought in Basilic who has a big arm and, and whatever, but they've got Jack Tuttle there still too. And so there's a QB battle. Um, Jack Tuttle, I think, is a little bit more of a mobile option for them. And maybe he can come into his own. I know he's battled a lot of injuries in his couple years that he's been at Indiana. Maybe his mobility can help alleviate some of the issues that they've had. 
there on offensive line. So they've got a really interesting question there, I think, at the at the quarterback position. Yeah, I really like the way that Nebraska's defense matches up. I feel like we have the advantage over Indiana as far as the linebacker and the defensive line core is really going to be able to attack that front that Indiana has. I'm not too concerned. You know, when you think about guys like Garrett Nelson and you think about uh, Luke Reimer and Heinrich, and then you look at our, our line with the guys who can really put the pressure on, there really isn't a whole lot that's telling us that Indiana's going to have success offensively against Nebraska. So there's not a whole lot of concern about them having a productive offense, especially when they haven't brought in a whole lot of weapons on the wide receiver front for Indiana. And we've got a secondary that Travis Fisher very recently was very high on. So when you're looking at offense versus defense, Indiana versus Nebraska, I feel really good about where Nebraska's defense matches up against Indiana. Yeah. When we flip the script and we say, what's Indiana's defense look like against Nebraska's offense? I think there's also a lot to like about this matchup on a Nebraska front. I don't think that Indiana lines up as the favorite on the on the defensive side of the ball. You know, they've got a new defensive coordinator with very little experience in the position. He's a defensive line coach coming in from Minnesota. And they allowed 33.2 points per game last season. I really think that Nebraska lines up with the advantage in this game. And it's not just a, hey, I'm a Nebraska fan. It's more a matter of when you look at numbers versus numbers, Nebraska's got the advantage. Yeah, it is. There's there's two things I look at when I'm when I'm looking at this matchup for them, and and it's you know Tom Allen's a defensive minded guy, but he's got a he's running a whole program right now, right? And he's got a lot of leaks on this boat, and I feel like he's focusing, he's turning his attention back towards what he's familiar with, which is the defense, and he's trying to plug those holes. But I but Indiana has traditionally they've struggled big body wide receivers, and one direction that Nebraska has headed from an offensive philosophy is to bulk up that wide receiver room. When Scott Frost first got here, he was looking at like those little speedy guys, you know, like that stuff that worked at Central Florida where you have these like 5'10", you know, 170 pound receivers who just could just burn you. He wanted to bring that, I think, to the Big Ten. I don't know, you know, maybe there's success there in the future, but right now with Mickey Joseph coming in, Mickey Joseph is like, no, we're like, we're gonna be bringing these like big, like six foot, six one, six two guys, big bodied wide receivers, and I think that you know Indiana doesn't do well against that that bigger bodied receiver, and so a re- it's a real matchup thing here, where you know what where Nebraska's transitioning towards their offense and where and what. Indiana can't do well on defense. It's a matchup that just doesn't feel good right. if you're an Indiana fan. Having guys that are experienced goes a long way. Regardless if it's good experience or bad experience, it's experience. And only returning 17% of your tacklers versus Nebraska, who's returning 61% of their tacklers, which is a pretty solid return rate. I, I just have a hard time feeling like Indiana's going to feel comfortable throughout a, maybe the front half of the season. Eventually, guys will get that experience and they'll start to feel a little bit better about who they're playing and where they're playing and what they need to do on the field but I like the fact that Nebraska gets Indiana at home it's relatively early it should be a good decent streak for Nebraska where maybe we're getting you know a a three or four win win streak depending on how the Oklahoma game goes who knows but as far as Indiana is concerned I don't think that it just lines up for for all the factual reasons it's not a matter of being a homer for Nebraska it's just this is a tough task for Indiana I'm right there with you and 17 percent is low it is capital L Man, it's hard to imagine them really being able to, you know, restock their their side of the ball there to create this instant turnaround. So, um, you know, I don't have any numbers for any of these teams as far as like score predictions or anything yet. But I just I know that Nebraska has been down lately and I know we've we've bumped into these 
teams where it's like, yeah, we should beat them. This feels like a team where it's like, we should beat them, and I feel confident that we will handle the handle the Hoosiers pretty well when they come into town. I expect our offense to be clicking and moving. I think our defense will handle their their offense pretty well. I think that without them repairing their offensive line, that is a real hamper to them. And, you know, I put it at like a 40, 40 points for Nebraska and somewhere in that range and like 20 to less than for Indiana. So I think it's a handle, handily one game. Well, you and I are on a very similar plane for you not having a fucking prediction. Thanks yeah. for doing your job. <laughs> but for me having an actual one, um, I have Nebraska at 41, Indiana at 24. So okay. I think Indiana is going to be able to put up some points, but I don't think they're going to be able to keep up against Nebraska. I think that their defense is going to struggle against Nebraska's offensive attack. And I think that Nebraska, like I said, they're going to they're gonna give up some points to Indiana. I think there's going to be some passing ability that comes from Basilek, but I don't see them sustaining that, and I don't see Nebraska's defense faltering later in the game. It's going to be one of those where it might be tight at the half, but I think Nebraska just pulls away over time. Yeah, Reed, do you have a numbers prediction for us? I'd love, I'd love to see just Nebraska just do an all right classic Nebraska win. Yeah, a good old beatdown. A good old yeah. fucking beatdown. So you're saying you want to see like a, a seventy oh, burger just, hanged just, up on uh, Indiana? You want to, you want to freaking smash like a down. blank, yeah, blank out just, the other just, team. Just fuck everyone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just smash them. Well, there you go. That's that's Indiana, right? We want to just see a smash. We want to see after see we've been smash. disrespected by by some of the other local yeah. pundits that yeah. that we include ourselves I in on the Nebraska no. side. So, moving away from Indiana, let's dive into Rutgers. On October seventh, Nebraska takes their talent south of New York to Piscataway, New Jersey, for a matchup against the Scarlet Knights of Rutgers University. The Huskers' first true road game test will take place under the lights for a six p.m. kickoff scheduled for broadcast on FS1. Rutgers enters the 2022 season on an upswing. The Knights went 5-8 last year with an appearance against Wake Forest in the Gator Bowl. For those of you saying a five-win bowl appearance doesn't count, just remember, Nebraska's last bowl win took place on a five-win bowl invite. Also, you're not wrong. Nebraska holds a solid 5-0 record against Rutgers with the first win dating back to 1920 and the most recent in 2020's bonus COVID game. Remember when we had football and then didn't have football and then we had football but a little less football? That was fun. (laughs) Greg Schiano is 76 and 81 at Rutgers over 13 years and two separate stints at head coach. The pressure is building for the Grover Cleveland to Big Ten coaches as fans are looking for a return to solid football play and six-plus win seasons. The rebuild is reaching its completion and Rutgers is close to their moment of put-up-or-shut-up. Will 2022 be the year over the hump, or will there be signs of flashes and a chorus of next year? We'll find out soon as the Scarlet Knights look to slay the Huskers on October 7th, 2022. So, Drew, do you got a true or false for me as far as Rutgers goes? I do if I can find it. Oh, Let's man. See. Lick those fingers and flip Papers. them pages. All right. So, here we go. So, Ben, I've got a theme. And, Is uh, it Benjamin Harrison? <laughs> Has nothing to do with Benjamin Harrison or presidents. Has everything to do with movies. Nice. All right. Yeah. It's your, I know you're a cinemaphile. Is it? A, is it a real word? Cinemaphile. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Cinephile is actually. Cinephile. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I throw in an extra couple of syllables. All right. Here we go. Rutgers. All right. So everyone knows, The Godfather is generally considered one of the greatest films of all time, and it is one of many mob films to be shot in the mobbiest of states, New Jersey. Yes. <laughs> but did you know, Ben, the cat held by Marlon Brando in the opening scene 
of The Godfather. Yep, I'm aware. Yep, of that film. Yep. Was found by director Francis Ford Coppola outside a library on Rutgers campus, which he mistook to be a stray, but later learned belonged to an irate and worried faculty member. You come to me <laughs> on this day of our podcast recording for episode three, and you throw a Godfather fact at me, and you expect me to not get it right? That's true. That was very well played out. Holy smokes. I <laughs> wish it was true. I know how well that was yeah. good. Yeah, I know. That was, I know. That was, that was probably <laughs> one of the best Marlon Brando guys. I know. I know it's a stray, but I didn't know if it was true that it was final Rutgers campus. Holy smokes. He's a, he's a good impressionist. I Honestly, I started constructing this around <laughs> movies. Just oh, to, wow. just and to I, wa- I just wanted No, I wanted the Marlon Brando impression. Ben, that's that all I right. wanted. <laughs> that's all I wanted. Thanks, Reed. That was it's about time that so I do something you that you're impressed with yeah. as opposed to your beer that I'm impressed with. <laughs> no, it's so false, isn't it's, it? It's 100% false. No. So, well, no, I shouldn't say 100%. So, so it's um, like one word that switched around like Ben did last where year. The, yeah, where yeah. the stray cat was found. So... They really did, yeah. Yeah, Francis found a uh, stray cat. It was on Paramount Pictures lot. Oh, okay. And he, yeah, and he gave it to, and they used it. So Marlon was holding it, an actual right. stray cat, uh, stray cat that he found. It turns out like the cat was so fucking like happy and content, it would just purr. It would purr. It yeah. would purr. Yeah. A lot. Too much. To a point where wouldn't um, love. They had to actually like redub some of Marlon Brando's lines and like oh, yeah. play him over it because the cat was purring so loudly during the actual recording. So. I mean, if Who wouldn't love love. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say, if Marlon Brando like was just holding me and <laughs> making me feel pussy. welcome. <laughs> Stop. Jeez. Okay, well, I got a little right, overconfident right, on that one. Right, my go, bad. Yeah, so far. I leaned in a little too heavy on the right. on the Brando Wait, impression. Do, do it again. <laughs> okay, you, could, you read your whole question. And Here's my Rutgers true false. According to the Rutgers Alumni Association, the class in 1969 was notorious... For the cafeteria hall graffiti. That's your whole that's question. That's it. That's my sure that's I'm question. So, I'm so enamored. And like, uh, I love how you get you, your eyes into it, too. Yeah. Just, yeah. Like, just like Marlon Brando. You, you come to me on it. this the day yeah. of my daughter's yeah. wedding. Yeah. Anyways. I didn't even know what the question was, but I was going to okay. say yes. According to the Rutgers Alumni Association, the class of 1969 was notorious for their cafeteria hall graffiti. Yeah, okay. It's false. Okay. <laughs> But it does have some truth to it. So okay. it, the class of 1969 was known for a piece of graffiti, but it was in their dorm laundry room. The initial scribble read, why are there only two washing machines for 600 students? And the graffiti reply, which remains a hearty chuckle for the class of 1969, was just in case one breaks down. Hey. <laughs> hearty chuckle, hearty chuckle, hearty chuckle. So as far as Rutgers goes, Drew's <laughs> getting away from the true or false questions. Um... How are we feeling when it comes to the Rutgers game? I mean, what what is what does this game mean to you? You know, Rutgers is like a it's a that's a you hear Rutgers and you don't think football. You know, it's like it's a that's a beatable name. Right. Um, but they've got Greg Schiano back for round two um, of his coaching career there, and he has had steady improvement mm-hmm. at that program. He's gone from three wins his first year, five wins the next, and now the question so you know what's it going to be this year? Sure. Um, I think generally. People expect an improvement, but I think they're running into a real buzzsaw as far as their schedule goes. Absolutely. So um, they went they went bowling last year. That was that was a big step up for them. They were five and seven. They went bowling because of their APR and because of COVID and so on and so forth, whatever. But you know, a six and six record against this schedule, a legit bowl game, 
I think that's a huge step up, and I think that's a good sign that Shiano has the program headed the right direction. When you look at it from a Nebraska uh, perspective, yeah, Nebraska is one of those teams that I think they need to beat or they really expect to beat to get to that mark. Yeah. And so, you know, from a Nebraska fan, you hate to think about it like as, you know, like Rutgers kind of like targeting you or like singling you out on their schedule as a, as a must win or a need to win to get there. We hope we're improved better. Yeah, than, absolutely. Than to put Rutgers as a, uh, as a true competition. But honestly, like that's kind of where we're at, but, you know. But as, as far as Rutgers goes, they're, they're a team that really prides themselves yeah. on busting their ass, working hard, being that never say quit kind of attitude. And I think Greg Schiano is a great fit for that because he's the kind of coach that really likes the effort. That win or lose, I don't care. But if you didn't give your all, that's when I'm going to be mad. Mm-hmm. And that's what scares me about a team like Rutgers going in and They're playing hard. them. They're hard. Nebraska's 5-0 and against them. Rutgers is probably thinking, well, when's the other shoe going to drop? Yep. Right? Yep. We're going to play you hard. The last time we played them, it was a 28-20 victory. It wasn't uh, a big game where Nebraska ran away with it. There was a hard-fought battle. A fight. It's a fight. Yeah. yeah. And Rutgers plays, being in the East, they play Ohio State. They play Michigan, Michigan yep. State, Penn yep. State every single year. And they honestly, like, they just get beat down by these big brand-name Eastern Division teams. And Nebraska big, comes out of the West. Yeah. Nebraska comes out of the West, and it's like it's a big brand, but it's down right now. Right. And yeah, Rutgers hasn't hasn't beaten Nebraska yet, but they played close. Like you know, a few years ago, twenty eight twenty one, Nebraska wins, but it was fucking ugly. Yeah. It was you know I I remember watching that game, and it was just like it was I was not engaged during it. It was a toss up throughout the whole thing, uh, and and so you know, Rutgers is probably looking at this game in this year, and they're looking at looking at it as like yeah, we can we can. We can beat Nebraska. Nebraska's right. yeah. Nebraska's trying yeah. to be Pro- on the be on the upswing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. be yeah. on the, trying to save their coach. Yep. Um, trying to show that they're not a three and nine team. Trying yep. to show that they're not some fucking doormat in the West. And and Rutgers is is on the other side saying like, hey, like yeah, you know we've taken our lickings, but we can do this. Yeah, we're on the rise. Yep. You know what really scares me about Rutgers is they're very honest with themselves. Last year, didn't have a great offensive line. This year, they went out and found 13 transfers. They're going to bring into the offensive yeah. line. At the game. <laughs> they didn't have a great receiving You can court. only play five. Right. But they're going to bring <laughs> but in. But you got them all. Hey, <laughs> we got three offensive lines, and we're going to play everybody. Yeah. But then they also didn't have a great receiving court. They went out and recruited some of the best wide receivers that they could bring in out of like West Virginia who's known for airing the ball out guys who know how to bring the big, ball big in big body I think it's Sean Ryan is that yeah 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 and then dude. they return 94% of their production in passing yards so the guy behind center is going to have an experienced receiver regardless of who he's passing to and then you're bringing in these transfers as well so I'm I'm really confident that Rutgers is going to continue to make a step forward they may have the same record they may have a better record but there's still a team that's going to continue to fight they're going to take an honest look at themselves and they're going to try and take a step forward and when you're a team like Nebraska who's three and nine going against a Rutgers who was five and seven last year on yeah. paper, they're a better team. They had more wins. They're in a harder division of the conference, and they got the wins. So I'm 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 confident in Nebraska's ability to go up against Rutgers. History tells us that Nebraska's successful against Rutgers, but this is not a game you can sleep on. This is no. not a marked win. No. This is a game we have to be ready to go into and fight. Well, I think Nebraska's like they've upped their game. They brought in Oshawn Matthew to pressure the quarterback. We lost Cam Taylor Britt. One of my all-time faves. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it's hard. I still you okay? Yep. Yeah, I was gonna say you all right. <laughs> Give me a moment. <laughs> Pour one out for CTB. 
I mean, he uh, did go to the future it, Super Bowl champion. He is, uh, yeah, Bengals. he, he teamed yeah. up with Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow. But, yeah, I, you know, Nebraska's defense doesn't worry me a lot. I feel like I feel like all the coaches on that side of the ball um, and all the players on that side of the ball have really proven themselves to be the types of, of players and, and people who will just step up. Yeah. They'll step up. But Rutgers is a defensive team. Yeah. And they're, and they're not a big brand name. And this is one of those things where it's like, you know, Nebraska is Nebraska. They're they're a blue blood team, and they're fucking living on their laurels for too goddamn long. Right. Whereas Rutgers is is like you said, they know who they are. They know they're fucking Rutgers. They don't. They know they they rhyme with Butgers, and it's an easy fucking kick in the nuts. But they're still gonna show up with their fucking lunch pails and play these games yeah. um, against these big time teams. And so, yeah, this is just one of those games that scares me. On a Friday night in Piscataway, fucking New Jersey, where yeah, yeah, Nebraska maybe maybe half the ball shows up for Nebraska, but the other side doesn't, and 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 all of Rutgers is just like you know we're here to play, we're just here to fucking yeah. slug one out against one of the blue buds, and we're gonna take it to you, and we're gonna play our game, and maybe we're gonna play you in a tight one, and it, and we keep it. Everybody's below thirty, and who, and whoever comes out on top is the one who just fucking you know throws a harder punch. Right. So yeah, this is of all the I think of all the games on the schedule, you know, this is one that just kind of like it worries me. Like I feel like Nebraska comes on on top. I always feel like talent wins out, but at the same time, man, this is a mm, this is a <clears throat> this is a mindset game, right? If Nebraska has the right mindset, they're the better team. But if Rutgers goes in feeling like they can win, and Nebraska thinks we can sleep on Rutgers, Rutgers is going to take this game away. And, and, and this, to me, is a very pivotal game, whereas Indiana feels like they don't have the talent, they don't have the mindset, they don't have what they need to win the game. Rutgers feels like they have the mindset to win the game, and they can overpower that talent. Yeah, they believe it. I think they believe it, and I think that they need it for a bowl game to get yeah. to six wins. Likewise. No. Yeah. I no, think this is an important game for both teams. It's 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 pegged on the calendar. Like They, they put a pin in it, and it's like, this is a team that we need to beat to get to where we want to be. Yeah. To make, to take that next step forward. Yeah. So I have Nebraska coming out as a winner mainly because of things like questions at quarterback, questions at some of those skill positions that they haven't proven yet. I know Nebraska has some of those same questions as well, but I think that if you get a Nebraska team that that rolls or wins against a Northwestern, they do well against their non-con, they do well against an Indiana, then they meet up with Rutgers. There's no doubt in my mind they're going to win. But if this is a Nebraska team that doesn't have the right mentality going into this game, this could be an upset. And this is going to be one of those games where Husker fans go, I can't believe we just lost to Rutgers. We've never, literally never <laughs> lost to Rutgers. Yeah. But this team just isn't in the right mindset. I have Nebraska winning 35-24. It's a tight game. It's a headache game. It's one of those games where you don't feel good until the clock hits zero. But Nebraska has the talent to win this game. If they go in with the right mindset, they're going to come out with a W. Honestly, I think Rutgers is the probably one of the best litmus tests. Well, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Certainly absolutely. for as far as like non-con and East, like outside of their division, as it goes, Rutgers is a good test because Rutgers has been on the rise. Like Rutgers is with a coach that knows the program, that knows how to win here. They've strung it. They went from three to five wins. They're they're building something there, and it's as a Nebraska team. You're bumping into another team who I think is finding confidence. It's figuring out themselves, and it's, okay, do we want to be the, the that Hallmark team that they just beat on their way to yeah. six, seven wins or whatever in this tough schedule, or do we want to be the that roadblock 
um, you know that that, that team that, that they that they season. wanted to win that they yeah. wanted to win against that big fucking win against that big name program um, that they couldn't get it done against. Right. And so yeah, that's where Nebraska's at right now. I want a fun game to watch from a Nebraska perspective, where Nebraska shows up wanting to be here, but not just wanting to, not just wanting to play against records, but wanting to fucking lay down a hammer. Yeah. Or you know, and not even like I'm not talking like a I'm not talking a like 56 to seven like typical, you know, records against Ohio State beatdown. You're talking I like a want, comfy two touchdown. I want a comfy yeah. win where Nebraska shows up on the road on an off night. Plays well. And, yeah. and and they and they yeah they execute like they just do they do what their game plan says they don't look like a a playoff or national caliber team but they just look like the better team like they just show up fucking business style we're gonna win three give me three give me a three score victory give me a three score victory and and respect towards yeah. what Rutgers I yeah, think, that's I think, all I want I think Nebraska can't sleep on any team. They can't. They no. they absolutely even, cannot. Even North Dakota and Georgia Southern, they cannot. No. no. Well, before we move on, we want to take a quick moment to talk about our show partner, the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. As we mentioned at the top of the show, Wannabe Walk-Ons is the official podcast of the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. The Guild is a professional organization that protects the craft brewing industry in Nebraska. We do our show with no outside funding or advertising because we don't want to take away from what it's all about. Beer football, and celebrating the communities we love. Our partnership with the Guild is not a paid partnership. It's simply a platform to share our show with folks we think will enjoy the things we're talking about. This past winter, the Guild was instrumental in passing legislation that would allow Nebraska brewers to self-distribute limited quantities of their beer without the need for a middleman. This new law allows the smaller brewers a chance to compete locally with some of the bigger craft breweries in the state while allowing us as consumers to enjoy the beer that's produced by Nebraska. Absolutely. This is a huge step forward for a lot of brewers in the small towns like Taylor, Alliance, Seward, and Syracuse, just to name a few. When you drink craft beer, you're supporting local small businesses, which is important now more than ever. If you're a fan of craft beer like we are, you can support the NCBG by joining the Nebraska Beer Alliance. Being a member gives you access to exclusive discounts, Nebraska beer merch, and members-only information. You can learn more about the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild, find local breweries, and join the Nebraska Beer Alliance by visiting nebraska.beer. Hell yeah. All right, so Michigan football. Come on in and leave your shoes at the door. On November 12th, Michigan welcomes Nebraska into the big house for the 11th meeting between these two teams and the 8th since sharing the national championship in 1997. At this exact moment, the kickoff time and broadcast networks remain undecided. Michigan is still coached by Jim Harbaugh, and I'm already so tired of hearing about him in his seven seasons at Michigan. Jimothy is 61-24 and with two first-place ties atop the Big Ten East, proving time and time again Michigan just can't win things outright. Last season, the Wolverines lived up to expectation by beating the Ohio State for the first time since my children were born, winning the Big Ten for the first time since Drew's kids were born, and being selected for the college football playoff for the first time since the playoff was born. (laughs) The excellent play from the Blue and Mays was enough to take Harbaugh off the hot seat, which he quickly returned to in the offseason, at least in the fans' eyes, by missing out on two five-star in-state quarterback recruits. You just hate to see it. Last year, Nebraska-Michigan matchup was a real dick punch of a game where momentum went back and forth between teams in the second half, culminating with a fucking fumble and a Michigan field goal for a 32-29 Wolverine victory. Last year, Michigan came into our house and ruined what was shaping up to be an excellent party. 
Perhaps this year the Huskers can go into the big house and instead of shitting the bed, shit on the carpet and make Harbaugh clean it up. We'll find out if that ant... <laughs> Sorry. Oh, shit. This is a family establishment. <laughs> we'll find out if that analogy sticks when Nebraska takes on Michigan November 12th, 2022. I, honestly, I when I always thought FF stand for forced fumble, but no, it's fucking fumble. So that's news to me. <laughs> fucking fumbles and shit on the carpet, Just a my guy. Fucking fumble, fucking yeah. Okay. I mean, it was a bit of a fucking fumble. Oh, that like, was oh, a, yeah, that was a, yeah. It was a fucking fumble. It was, it a, was a fucking fumble. Fucking fumble. Oh, right. man. All right, true or false, Drew? You, I think I think you went first last time, so okay. I'll start it off All this right. time. All right, let's do it. So Michigan, true or false? Ohio State is known for many things, including the dotting the I tradition where the marching band spells out Ohio and, as an honor, a member of the band, celebrity, or person of note, dots the I. This but, is true. True or false? Ohio State stole the tradition from Michigan. No, I would hope. I, well, Michigan I, has I two eyes, so that's twice as many celebrities there's no way that that a uh, school with such little history they, they could afford, afford twice afford as much that. there's no way that, no. no boo wow false so you both are leaning into false pretty hard hard yeah. hardcore no yeah way they can afford two celebrities yeah that's true <laughs> this is true no they stole it as a gesture of goodwill of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> so it is true as a gesture of goodwill to its host at the 1932 ohio state michigan football game Michigan's marching band spelled the name of its rival while playing, quote, Fight the Team Across the Field, one of Ohio State's fight songs. Four years later, the Ohio State marching band began its pregame tradition of spelling Ohio in script before its October 24th, 1936 game against Indiana. So four years before Ohio State started dotting the I. Yeah. Michigan dotted the I, spelling out Ohio itself. Why was Michigan so, as a gesture of Ohio good faith? Ohio was like, well, we need half the amount of people. No, Ohio yeah. was like, hey, that was really nice. They did that for us. We should also do that for us. <laughs> yeah, so that's a big fat fuck you, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, Michigan, thanks so much for spelling out Ohio. Oh, we man. can do it ourselves. Yeah, we, we know. And we we'll take it, it from without you. you. Yeah. Did, so, did they do it in the cursive or were they yeah. just full print? No, you know no. what? I didn't dive that deep. No, okay. I'd be lying to you if I said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the answer is Ohio State. They stole, stole that it. from Ooh. Michigan. They All stole right. the spelling of Ohio during their marching band by the best damn band in the land. They stole it from Michigan. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Good well, for Michigan. Well, obviously, it isn't the best damn band in the land. No, the, the second best the second. damn band in the land. <laughs> but I hate to give Michigan any sort of credit. I don't like either side of this. <laughs> like, I'm against both Michigan and Ohio State. Honestly, I, don't. I think both bands suck. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. They're not yeah. the pride of Nebraska. Yeah. Absolutely not. Dun, the dun, pride dun, of dun, Nebraska dun, marching yeah. band. <laughs> so there you go. So Ohio State stole the dotting of the I. Wow. We should dot the I in Nebraska. Nebraska. <laughs> Nebraska. <laughs> All right, Drew, what do you got for me, true or false? Buddy? All right, here we go. All right, sticking with the movie edition theme for Michigan. Everybody knows the high schoolers fighting off invading Russians in the 1984 film Red, Red Dawn. Dawn baby. Red called Dawn. themselves the Wolverines. Patrick Swayze forever. Woo. But did you know, during filming, one of the paratroopers invading the country was blown off course and ended up caught in a tree in downtown Ann Arbor, where he had to convince locals he was not really a foreign soldier, but a movie actor. That's true. 
Oh man, reed thrown in the hard true. So everything's been false yeah. so far. Oh, yeah. you know what though, Reed? Last episode, Drew said everything was going to be false this episode because he was true every answer last episode. I'm going to go with. Did I stick to my guns? Uh, some, Did I remember that? I don't back, remember that. That's not even fair. I'm going to go with. Go Reed, with Reed. And I'm going to say yeah. true. Yeah. Ah, go with Reed. Yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, what was you he speaking? So, shit. Was he speaking Russian the whole time? <laughs> he was. Here to, I don't know what, what's Russian sound like. Not like that. I was blown off course. <laughs> like it is. No. Um, so that's false, but only because it didn't actually happen in Michigan. Oh, so right. the the movie it was in Colorado, yeah. 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 Oh, so you knew so this the original whole time, oh, you knew it. it was all deep down there. So <laughs> the original film, so when the screenplay was written, it was written for Michigan. Brain. Yeah, and I I assume I didn't find out, but I assume that's why they were called the Wolverines because it was yeah. Calumet Calumet City, Michigan, whatever, which is a real city in Michigan. Um, but then when they started shooting the film, they realized Colorado. like there's no Nothing. there's no Nothing. reason for them to invade Michigan. They would, yeah, they, yeah, the strategic, they they if, all planned it out, and so they decided Colorado was the more sensical if, Not at all. State. But, yeah, so anyway, uh, it was originally set for Michigan. I knew that. It's in, yeah, shot in Colorado. Ah, that really did happen, though. So, like, there were paratroopers. There was a handful of them that got blown off course when they were diving in, and they got one of them got caught in a tree, and uh, there were some folks in Colorado who thought this guy was legit invading the country well, when you're dressed full uh, like communist memorabilia like, obviously oh full on yeah and this happened in the 80s again full in the US, 80s so like, yeah, there was still that yeah <laughs> so he had to convince him he was just he was just playing the film well when it kind comes to true or false i guess we're just not going to be right here but when it comes to michigan football how do we feel about their chances against the big red and vice versa uh michigan's a scary scary good team they really are yeah yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jim Harbaugh has kind of gotten over. I think he's gotten over that bugaboo. Yeah. You know, as far as like the, you know, whether he could succeed there as the Michigan man, he, he took the pay cut and did all that. And I, and I think he corrected the program a little bit last year. Obviously, they won the Big Ten. They, they made it into the college football playoffs. They were beat pretty soundly by Georgia there. And so their next step is, you know, getting past their rivals, you know, beating Mel Tucker at Michigan State, which Jim Harbaugh hasn't done yet. Uh, taking on Ohio State, which is the big dog, their big rivalry, and then making it, making it to the playoffs, and, and being that, that Big Ten team that can kind of hang with the SEC, yeah. that can hang with you know a guy like Clemson. Um, so Michigan is is on that next uh, step in that that path of of really proving themselves on a national level. Yeah, you know this is the first game that I'm genuinely scared about. I know that we've covered Oklahoma. And uh, we're now covering Michigan, but I feel like Michigan is wrongfully so. Yeah, he's got some fucking bravado there. Yeah, there's a comment. (laughs) It's not that I'm not scared of Oklahoma, but I think Michigan is a scarier team than Oklahoma. And and primarily, when I think about Michigan, I think about you know they're not always an exciting offense. They're not always an offense that's going to run you out of the room. But this year, Michigan returns. Pretty much everyone from their offense from last year and anyone they don't return, they've replaced with a fucking five-star transfer. They have nothing to – they have everything to prove. So they're just going to come out and just beat the living piss out of you. It's nothing and everything because they did. They got monkeys off their back last year. They really did under Jim Harbaugh. He he proved himself. They're they're out there to just freaking punch everyone in the freaking mouth. It's scary. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Reed just lifted his middle finger and <laughs> said "f you" instead of yeah. uh, saying "fuck you" on a podcast where we've been saying you nonstop. Can say fuck you. Do you want to? Do you want to retake that? Retake it. 
fuck you. There, there we is. go. Yeah. You know, Michigan last year averaged 38 points a game in 2021. And I think, I think that they're actually going to be poised to maybe hit that 40 yeah. mark in this next year. Because not only do they have everyone back and some five-star transfers to fill in the gaps, but they also have McCarthy, who is healthy, who can back up Cade McNamara or may even take that starting take position yeah. from him. And they've got some serious talent on top of serious talent they had last year. So this offense is is what I'm afraid of. Michigan's known for having a very strong defensive squad. They're not always known for their offense. This year, they're not only going to have some strength in defense, but they have an offense that can seriously compete with the guys like Ohio State or start getting into that SEC territory. Yeah, if, if anyone squeaks past them, they're lucky. I agree. I, th- I, I They've had some struggles with, with defense in the past. They corrected that. They corrected the defensive side of the ball. And they and they took, so they, they put up, like you said, 38 points a game with a sort of a, a ground and pound style offense. It was yeah. not very explosive under McNamara. J.J. McCarthy brings a certain um, explosive element to his game that I think McNamara doesn't, which is where you see that quarterback battle developing because obviously they've proven they, they can win with McNamara but McCarthy the younger more experienced inexperienced guy uh, he comes into this thing and he could take over that starting role yeah the, 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 I think the next step as far as like the evolution of, of Jim Harbaugh in Michigan goes is what this offense can do as far as you know bringing it to that that explosive like hey we're gonna not just put up 40 points but we're gonna hang 45 or whatever points on you and we're gonna do it in like quick Quick yeah. bursts, yeah. And, and they have that capability. They have the playmakers. They have the players. They have the offensive coordinator. They have everything that they need in place to build off of last year. Yeah. Where you're seeing a lot of teams who are kind of rebuilding and putting in pieces and plugging in. Michigan's not in that situation. And they had a sneaky good offense last year. It wasn't flashy. It was more of like an Iowa of the East. Yeah. Where they're just doing things the right way and they're putting up points. They're getting into the end zone when they get in the red zone. But this year, they have everything they need to build upon that. And that, to me, is what's really scary about this team. What's kind of crazy, though, is for this Michigan team, if we're going to pick out a weakness, is their defense. They have to replace a lot of guys on that defensive front, on that defensive line. They're having to replace Ajabu. They're having to replace uh, Hutchinson. They're having to replace a lot of NFL-caliber guys on that defensive line. Now, does that mean that they're going to take a step back? Maybe, maybe not, but it does mean that they're going to have some growing pains maybe early on in the season. Unfortunately for Nebraska, we don't get them early in the season. We get them when they're going to be hitting their stride, and they're going to see, yeah, we're going to see them in November when they're saying, hey, we got a target in mind. We're now, we've we've escaped all the teams that we should have escaped, and we're about to make that final push and that final stretch. I think we're going to see a defense in its full stride, an offense in its full stride, and this is going to be a different Michigan team that we face in 2022 than we saw in 21 where we lost to them by three points. This is going to be a tougher, much tougher team to beat. And that's why I'm more afraid of Michigan than I am of, of Oklahoma. Oh, 100. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, is, and, and, and they've got now. a lot yeah. to prove because Ohio State's coming at them saying, hey, we're reloaded. We're ready to go. Yeah. We're going to face you guys. and We're going to take you down for and that Michigan, Big Ten East. Michigan's uh-huh. going to be like, no, Michigan, you. Yeah, Michigan. you can say fuck you again, Reed. It's okay. <laughs> you can do it. You, but, can throw up, you can throw up the fingers and say fuck you. Yeah, you can do it yeah. all together. <laughs> I, yeah, Michigan's not like Ohio State's in. I don't know reload mode, but like Michigan is like in re, they're they're continuing something right. that they started like, last year. Ohio State already knows what they have to prove. Michigan State is trying to prove that they're better than they were last year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and they have all of these pieces coming back. Yeah. So like yeah, their biggest question really is like the the absence of Hutchison and Ajabu or Ajabo 
they so so those two guys combined for 25 of the 34 sacks that Michigan produced last year, which is like that's the most that any duo in Michigan history uh, has produced. So this was a big deal. You know, the the fact that they were able to be so successful with these guys last year, even in their absence this year, like I think they that's that's still kind of their floor is like 10 10 or 11 wins. Yeah. And so they don't have to they don't have to replace all, you know, they don't have to replace replace these two players. They just need to kind of like piece it together. Yeah. And and they can I think still be incredibly successful if not better than they were last year despite these losses. I think Michigan and Ohio State obviously are the the one and the two. They're the the best two teams in the Big 10. The yeah. question mark for me is going to be can Michigan's defense hold up against an Ohio State style offense? Can they hold up against a high scoring offense? If they can, I think Michigan has the experience to win the Big oh, 10 100%, 100%, again. Yeah. 100%. But Ohio State has always been such an explosive offense that if Michigan's defense can't hang on to that, that to me is where the question marks start to come in. Again, I think that, hey, Nebraska fans, we look at it and we go, we don't have Ohio State. Fucking thank God we don't have Ohio State this year. But we have a team in Michigan who can put up that many points. But Ohio State always also shows up with the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. If Michigan can match that or come close to that, this is a very difficult game. And this is going to be a game where I think it's even a bigger spread than what Nebraska had last year. Michigan, I think Michigan really has elevated themselves. I think that they return enough on, on the offensive side to be a real contender. Their, their defense, they return, I think, like less than half of what they they had as far as production goes. So that'll be a little bit of a retooling, especially like we talked about up front. But yeah, I, I think this is like another, like a, again, it's a it's a college football playoff type team. Yeah. I think that the quarterback battle, I'm going to be watching that. Like, I'm not even a fan. I fucking hate Michigan. Right, okay? absolutely. I've Who got doesn't? family. Even <sighs> Michigan fans hate Michigan. Yeah, right. That's what, it's all about being a Michigan man. It's all about self-resentment. It's yeah. just, yeah, it's just... That's, a, that's what fuels them. That's Things what, are too what, good, Michigan. Yeah. So you might as well just hate yourself <laughs> yeah. with this football team. But, I've, you know, I've, I've got family, you know, and, and 97 really fucking put a wedge in that. You know, but at the same time, like, I yeah, I, I do I have respect for this team and, and, and for what Jim Harbaugh has done here. And I think that they've got a really good chance to have another another shot at the, at the Big Ten, taking down Ohio State. Yeah. I think, you know, with, with Michigan State being a rebuild, they don't have Kenneth Walker again this year. I think this is a really fucking good team, as much as I hate to say it, who can go 11-1 regular season pretty easily. Which is all it took to make the playoff last year. And, yeah, and so I'm looking at them in my college football playoff, and I don't think, I don't think, I think Nebraska can beat them, you know, but I don't, I don't have it pegged for a win. For us. Well, as far as my prediction goes, if we're looking at a way too early prediction, not knowing how any team's playing going into the season, I have Nebraska actually taking one of their losses of this season against Michigan. I have Michigan winning 42-27. I really think that even though this defense is unproven, you're not necessarily rebuilding this year, getting a new defensive coordinator. You're just building off of what you had last year. Same defensive philosophy, just as good of an offense, if not better. And I think Michigan's going to put up the points. Nebraska's not going to look bad in this game. But they're just not going to be able to match up with a Michigan team that's hitting their stride last year, being the best version of themselves this year, and who knows what they accomplished by the end of 2022. So I see Nebraska taking a loss in this game. It pains me to say. But I think Nebraska does take a loss here. And I think you're, you're, you're having a hard time finding a way for Nebraska to win this game. If we somehow go into this game undefeated, I might be singing a different tune. But that's a, that's a big ask that's... from a Nebraska team who hasn't even won three in a row. 
Yeah. And, and, and that's disrespecting this Michigan team as far as they look on paper and as far as they look from last season going into this season. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, yeah. Again, like anybody on this schedule, Nebraska could win, but that was the same last year. And, and, and so it's just, it's just tipping your cap to Jim Harbaugh. It's, it's tipping your cap to Michigan for being patient with him and allowing him to figure the, figure out whatever the fuck he needed to figure out. And also, I th- I think, for me personally, it's always been about the quarterback. And I think a lot of people acknowledge that with Jim Harbaugh. is like, he never found his quarterback. He never did. And now he's got a couple of them. And, he's, and he found a way to win with Cade McNamara. And that was with just a fucking steady, solid fucking offense. And I think uh, J.J. Pro- just provides this different element. And he may not even be a starter. He just might be an option. He, he uh, yeah, yeah. Personally, I think he's going to be a starter eventually. Even if not at the beginning of the season, I think he's eventually going to be the starter. And I think he's and I think it's going to be because he gives it that spark. Yeah. It takes it. It takes it from just this this sort of like we're going to beat you with defense. We're gonna and we're going to beat you with not losing on offense. To we're going to beat you with defense and we're going to attack you on offense. We're going to go deep. You know, we're gonna we're gonna set ourselves up and then we're going to attack you. So I think that's what JJ McCarthy provides, and I think we're going to see that this season from Michigan. So that's what I think. I again, Nebraska showed last year that they can hang with everybody. Didn't show we could beat everybody, but we could hang with everybody. Michigan took a step and a half forward this year, or will take a step and a half. Nebraska takes one step, and you know Nebraska lost by what six last three. year? Three, three, yeah, thirty-two, okay. twenty-nine. Um, lost close last year. I think we lose close, but not quite as close this year. So I think I think it's just a half step ahead of us. That's where I'm at. That does it for this week. We want to thank everyone who tuned in to this week's episode. If you have anyone who you think would enjoy a listen, we would truly appreciate your recommendation. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Wannabe Walk-Ons and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Remember to do your part. Drink local beer wherever you are. You can find more information on Big Hair Brew House by following them on Facebook or making your way out to beautiful Hardington, Nebraska. If you have any breweries you would like us to sample on the show, visit wannabewalkons.com to submit your recommendation. Tune in next week for part one of Nebraska's Big Ten West opponents and a sampling of beer from Brewery 719 in Alliance, Nebraska. Thank you for listening, and as always, drink Big Red. Drink Big Red.